are listening to On The Topic. And this week, I'm cheating death several times and I'm going to win the lottery. Is this a simulation? I'm Dan. Um, and we're going to go ever further down that rabbit hole. Um, is it deja vu? Is it Mandela Effect? Could be all those things and more. I'm Alex. And um, this week, we are going to be talking about the simulation theory. But before we do so, Dan, we want to go back to our last last episode very quickly, don't we? Your most anticipated 2024, where we got a bit raunchy. But we got another comment from a listener. Oh, yeah. Tell us. Uh, so Kyle got in contact. Uh, this is what he's looking forward to this year. Shout out to Kyle. Uh, gigs. He's put Arctan Gent. Was that Gent? I don't know. Limp Biscuit in Margate. No way. Yeah. Do you know what? I picked up Limp Biscuit on Spotify the other day I think I messaged you didn't I, I said, new stuff or just the old just the old stuff that's still good though significant other Fred Durst yeah, yeah. significant other's a brilliant album hmm. uh, events the Euros and the Olympics so I don't know how we both oh yeah it is Euros year isn't it are we going to do it this year Alex is it coming home mm, I don't know with the current team lineup. we gave it a good shot last, last time not yeah. sure we'll see we'll see but who doesn't love the Olympics? It's always... This is the thing. Whenever it's on, every four years? Yes. Um, always have it on the background. And you, you see some absolute random shit. And you're like, is this a sport? This is cool. Mm. Cool as fuck. But I would never think to, to purposely watch it. Like, that person speed climbing a mountain. That's amazing. Or, or, or something like that. And you're like, this is... This is really... Or skateboarding is... Um, yeah, I was going to say. Or, snowboard, or snowboarding is in the Winter Olympics. But you know what I mean? Like, it's all it's all really interesting stuff. Because you don't... Usually when you're Olympics, it's like, oh, yeah, the, the shot put, the javelin, you know, the old school, proper mm. proper Grecian type stuff. But there's some really interesting um, events out there. So, um, yeah, it's a good shout. I wish the... Um, Paralympics, The Paralympics, that's it. Yeah. I wish that got a bit more airtime compared to the normal Olympics, because mm. I tell you, they're just as talented. Yeah. Oh, and more some. You know, some of the things they have to overcome in order to get anywhere close to um, competing at their level is fantastic. They've overcome those those societal challenges, their physical disabilities, um, and they're like superhumans. Mm. It's phenomenal. So yeah, it's, it's it really is fantastic stuff. And that's usually, I think, it's two weeks afterwards or three weeks after the main yeah. Olympics. It is shortly afterwards. Give you a break. You can usually tell when the Olympics are starting to die off because the events, as you get towards the end, sort of get naffer. Mm. All the good stuff sort of near the beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the Olympics. That's because they run out of decent gold medals, down. Yeah. Stocks running down. And um, for TV, he's put Doctor Who. And I believe that is uh, going to be Nkuti Gatwa from yeah. Sex Ed. Mm-hmm. Not a Doctor Who fan. Just I'm not either. I can get on board. But. Apparently, though, interesting fact, if you want to be Dan or if you are a fan but haven't caught up or want to go back and see some of the old stuff... Um, they're all my player, all like mm. seven hundred episodes. Holy cow! Yeah, so there's kind of no excuse. Yeah, mm. but should we do it? Should we dive into this week's absolute left field mind bender? Yeah, our new addition to the rabbit hole. Um, simulation theory, Dan. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, I got a question for you. Yep. What is reality? Mm, good question. You're going to tell me, right? Well, no. I've got more questions than answers. Imagine a reality where our existence is not as concrete as it seems, Dan. Or listener. But as a rather a complex, hyper-realistic simulation created by advanced intelligence. Hmm. 
The central premise is that an advanced civilization, perhaps possibly far beyond our current technological capabilities, Dan, has created a complex simulation that mimics the conditions of our universe. Now, not only is it possible that we're living in this simulation, apparently it's definitely possible, some say almost 50% possible, Dan. So this is what I got doing my notes. Simulation theory says that we are all likely living in an extremely powerful computer program directed by an entity outside of our physical comprehension. Yes. Uh, in this situation, humans are not necessarily real and tangible beings, but instead predetermined, coded constructs of the digital world we inhabit. Hang on a sec. No, I felt that. I just pinched him. Listening. He did. He literally just pinched me. I'm um, human. But are you coded to respond like that? And actually, mm. are you are you not real? It's kind of has feels of um, uh, what's the Leonardo DiCaprio um film where he goes into the dreams Inception Inception feels like yeah. Inception because obviously the dream world they're not real they're all constructs of imagination are you just a construct of the um, of the program Dan I don't know or well, are you programmed to, to have those emotions and even you're not real as we get further into the episode I've yeah. got irrefutable reasons why we might be living in a simulation but then like yourself I've got more questions than answers but some compelling stories as well yeah I've got um We've got uh, the Russian doll and the base reality concept. What? Uh-huh. Uh, like you, I've got some potential evidence, question mark. Yep. Um, we have a bit of science. How's your GCSE science? Uh, well, rusty? it took me three attempts to get a C. Um, okay, so we may have to give you um, some catch-up, but that's simplify fine. Simplify it for me. We'll have some science. Uh, I talk a bit about creation theory, and then um, deja vu and some stories. Isn't it weird? Well, obviously, we'll talk about this in a minute. But mm. when you get deja vu, you try to hold on to that yeah, yeah, yeah. feeling, and it slips but away. It's, it's gone before Fleetingly. you can I know. Grasp you, it. you know, the moment it happens, you know it. But as you say, it's like a dream. You just mm. you can't recall it almost immediately. It's really, really odd. And that's not right. Because you're, you're no. consciously acknowledging that something has happened again. But then 30 seconds to a minute later, it's gone. Moved on. It's very odd. Some theories, Dan. Yeah, let's do it. Philosopher Nick Bostrom. Heard about him? Got him in my notes. Okay. But yeah, pray tell. Well, he says that actually some of the following is true. This is what's called the Occam Razor, which in non-scientific speak is essentially very complex ideas are simplified down to their base elements. So Nick says there's actually only three different possible outcomes to the fact of a simulation theory. Either we are in simulation or we're not. Now, he says... We destroy ourselves before we're able to create a simulation. So we haven't done it. It's not reality because we never did because we're freaking nuking each other or we're running the planet into famine or any other miserable outcome. That's a scenario that's yeah. feasible. The doomsday clock is ever closer to midnight, as they say, every freaking year. It gets really depressing. There's still war. There's still famine. There's still um, horrible diseases, covid that are rampant. So are we ever going to get to a point where we can create this technology in order for us to enter into a simulation or to create a simulation? Mm. Possibly not. That's one scenario. There's another scenario is that we're able to create a simulation. Look yeah. at ChatGPT4. Uh, I mean, that's come on leaps and bounds between three and four in the last three, four months. Technology is advancing at a, a, a significant rate and that's your physicality, our technical infrastructure our ram speed our technology is, is holding us back we we want to do these things we just can't physically do it yeah 
but there might come a point where we can do it, but actually, should we? And there's an interesting question. What's the benefits and why would we create a simulation of a reality? To what benefit is there apart from perhaps scientific observation? Are we the aliens? And we'll talk about that, no doubt, in a sec. So there's two options. Yeah. Third option, Dan, is we're definitely in a simulation. Oh, boy. Now, I'm not entirely sure, actually, there's only three options, as I say. That's the Occam Razor approach. just a simplified way of explaining something that's really quite complex. For me, I think there's actually countless different options um, that surely exist. However, if we go by Nick Bostrom's theorising, we've got a 33% chance of being in the simulation. And actually, this is either real or not real. I mean, his hypothesis actually says that an advanced civilization should reach a point where their technology is so sophisticated that simulations would be indistinguishable from reality and the participants would know, would not be aware that they are in a simulation. Mm-hmm. Some bonkers stuff there. I mean, just think about this for a second, Dan and listener. We simulate everything. Mm. I'll just talk about games. You know, you look at The Sims. But look at racing games, racing simulators in the title. Uh, think about some of our... We talked about in a previous episode, um, game, our favourite games. They're based on simulations. That's how pilots learn their trade, isn't it? Correct. Put them in a simulation. Um, look at science, uh, scientists. They simulate everything in order to recreate conditions um, which are risk-free. You can't actually blow up something and observe it happening because you destroy the world or you destroy our environment. So they simulate those things on a smaller scale or in, in, a, in, a, in a computer program where they have all of those aspects and they stipulate based on scientific values at what the outcome will be. Simulated. Tony Stark did it in Endgame, simulating the old quantum theory. Exactly. It's fiction, but... But it proves the point is we we simulate now significant amounts. So is it really too much of a stretch to say actually either in the future we get to a point where we can, again, Mr. Bostrom's theory is that we can do this because well, we're kind of doing it every day. Your computer is simulating mm. a process. You know, um, it, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that it's a feasible concept. Now, whether I, I don't know whether I, I personally subscribe to even researching this, to, and I really enjoyed in, in, you know, researching this down listener. I still, I wouldn't even say I'm on the fence. I don't think we are, but I think it's an interesting concept to entertain. And actually, if we are not, I think it's not too much of a stretch to say that in the future, near future, we might be in a, in a position that actually we probably will be. Mm. Look at Ready Player One. Yeah. Look at the metaverse. We're looking to to actually make a Ready Player One type scenario in the metaverse. We're doing it. Mm. So, you know, look into 50 years into the future. What's reality going to look like? Yeah. Who knows? I know. It'll be after our lifetime anyway. Let's hope so. Uh, talking to physicists, have you heard of Seth Lloyd? Um, rings a bell, but no... Um, Enlighten me. Uh, so Seth Lloyd from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in the US took the simulation hypothesis to the next level by suggesting that the entire universe could be a giant quantum computer. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Very, very fascinating. Um, the idea is not that new, though. 
Okay. So in 1989, the legendary physicist John Archibald Wheeler suggests that the universe is fundamentally mathematical and it can be seen as merging from information. Yeah, I did read this where um, basically everything in nature um, has a mathematical foundation. And they've even said that they can actually superimpose computer code into um, into atoms mm. and into DNA. So we can superimpose and make things compatible to external forces by using maths, maths and ma- mathematics, which itself just is mind-boggling. Uh, there are patterns out in nature which defy logic and thought. But, you know, for instance, if you... Um, if you observe certain, I'll talk about it a little bit later on, um, waveforms of electrons, or if mm. you look at how nature, you know, icicles, how they freeze, they are perfect shapes, and they are divisible by a perfect um, golden number. And all these things, they shouldn't have that much logic and sense because mm. they're born seemingly out of chaos, and they do. Why is everything applicable to maths and mathematics? Yeah. Just hold on to this thought as well mm. before we sort of carry on. A common answer is that we live in an infinite multiverse of universes, so we shouldn't be surprised that at least one universe has turned out as ours. But another is that our universe is a computer simulation with someone, perhaps an advanced alien species, fine-tuning the conditions. As they go. Can we roll that, though? Do you have any other, any other scientific contributions before I get into the rabbit hole no not really um, I, I found the scientific part a little bit eye-watering okay um, but the more I started to dive into the sort of like the real nutty stuff it started mm. to make a bit more sense I was like oh okay okay and then it starts to tie into some of our previous episodes which mm-hmm. we'll talk about in a minute okay well let's can I just talk about the Russian doll and the base reality concept very yeah, quickly yeah do is this an irrefutable reason why we might be living in a simulation no or is this multiversal stuff? Essentially, yeah. So there are some theories that a computer is created to simulate a reality. We talked about it before. You just mentioned it there. So imagine we get to a point, either we ourselves can create this simulation yeah. and we create a new reality. Or someone else has done it and we're in a new reality. But the question is, how many versions of that reality are we in? And which one's the base base reality, the real reality? So imagine this, like a Russian doll. So Russian doll, Dan, listen, if you if you if you're not familiar, um, where where are you with with cultural you know, items of yeah. of um, antiquities or whatever? But I remember the Russian dolls. They start with a small one, and it goes into a bigger one. They're and in shells, one, and then it's a big one, bigger. correct? Yeah. And as you open it up, it gets into a little doll, and little doll, little doll. Um, this is, it says it's a Russian Russian doll. Um, the big doll, Dan, and yeah. listener. The one that you'll have buy from the airport or from the knick-knack shop from Russia or whatever. Um, that's the base reality. You're the alien or you are people today who make that base reality in a computer. Open that up. Open up that shell and inside you've got another Russian doll, slightly yeah. smaller. But that's that's the, the, the simulated reality. They don't know it's simulated. They just know that that's their reality. But they get to a point, Dan, a listener, that they create their own simulated reality, their own computer, their own intelligence. They come so far in, in their technological advancement that they're unaware of us, the base reality, and they make a new simulated reality, Dan. Open up that Russian doll again. 
You've then got another a smallness simulated, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And people have stipulated and said, actually, um, what are the chances of us being that base reality? Now, we've talked about Elon Musk before. We're not necessarily fans. He's an interesting... Um, thought provoker mm. um, and he says a lot of things so some of it comes to, to fruition look at space x uh, and other things um, he says it's likely to be one in several billion chances that we are the base reality if we are in a simulated reality one in several billion dan yeah so there could be countless sense, right? other realities behind us before we get to the original which is mind-blowing yeah like and then there's no possible way for us to know. Um, how about Neil deGrasse Tyson? Pardon? Yeah, he's a he's a an older gentleman from America. He's a physicist, um, very famous actually in America. He's um, very knowledgeable about these facts, mainly about um, astrophysicism, uh, physicists. Um, he says it's a fifty-fifty chance that we are in our base reality. If this is a simulated reality, I don't know if I like those odds mm. any better. So yeah, um, that's the Russian doll and the base reality concept. Um, at some point, if we do get to that reality, we are the original creators. We are the gods of yeah. that reality, and that's on the computer somewhere. And then that reality eventually creates their own computer and their own reality. Yeah. And so on and so forth. So you go further down that rabbit hole. Got a question for you though. If we're the base reality and that computer goes offline, what happens to all those other realities? Mm. They cease to exist. Yes. That's even more of a, a spine chilling thought. So what you're saying is if we're not the base reality and that we're computer dependent. goes off, we're suddenly just yeah. non non existent non existent. No existence. Yeah, that one. Yeah, um, yeah. We won't know about it. The power is cut, and we will fade into nothing. I guess. Mad. Hopefully, I'm scared. You listening? You're still listening? But um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really interesting concept. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know where I, I sit on the fence in that perspective. But uh, mm. I think it's fascinating that you know the, the the idea is being batted around, and I'm not sure if I fancy those odds. Well, I've got some reasons why we might actually be living in a simulation. Oh, okay. Tell So the first one, of course, you mentioned, the Mandela Effect. Yeah. If anyone wants to revisit that, OTT70, which is from the TW Rad Vault. And, of course, that is the collective memories of something that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I sent you one recently, actually, the Fruit of the Loom logo. Yes. Where, apparently, the cornucopia doesn't actually exist. Apparently not. But someone did find it somewhere. Yes. Um... Which is very odd, but it's it's people have scoured the internet and from archives, and it's been very difficult to find. But they have found some reference somewhere. That's a good rabbit hole to go down. And I remember getting, I I actually had to question this existence that we're living in. Wow, it was a mind bending episode. So it really is. It is really worth checking out. Yeah. Uh, the next one is missing aliens. Yeah, Why I've got this. Haven't one? we seen them? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've I've got this one. So this is the Drake equation. Okay. So the Drake equation is a probabilistic formula that was developed in 1961 by the astrophysicist Frank Drake. 
to estimate the number of active communicative extraterrestrial civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy. So in our immediate neighborhood. Yeah. Obviously, the universe made up of millions upon billions of galaxies. Within there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of different planets and um, uh, and constellations. The immediate Milky Way galaxy, the equation is a way to stim- uh, simulate uh, scientific or stimulate scientific dialogue about the factors that contribute to the likelihood of there being extraterrestrial civilizations. And apparently, the ratio... But it's quite a complex one. I couldn't even begin to tell you, Dan, listener. But apparently, two hundred billion trillion stars. I can't even imagine what that looks like. No. The Drake equation states there should be one million intelligent life signs in our galaxy alone. So there should be one million similar planets to Earth, or that harbour intelligent life, not just microorganisms, not amoeba in 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 pools of. Mm. whatever organic goo now we're talking intelligent life signs should be one million of us out there yeah. in our neighbourhood we haven't seen them why I've got no answers but then we don't know what's in Area 51 or you know what the US government aren't revealing at the moment and they probably never will I doubt we'll ever ever get the the signs um, didn't Trump try and push for it before he got uh, kicked out oh they all do it's the last thing they do because they're not in charge um, but if they are supposed to be out there maybe they don't exist because they're not supposed to Dan yes think about games going back to our gaming world we talk about simulation it's a construct that has to have boundaries games open world games seemingly have the idea that they they you can go anywhere you want, mm. but what happens when you can't, Dan? Think about some of the open, seemingly open world games that you play. What happens when you come to that boundary? What happens? Well, sometimes it doesn't allow you to go any further. Yeah. Or if you keep moving, you suddenly end up on the other side of the map, and you. That's what basically I'm. I'm thinking of Five Fantasy Seven, the yeah. original. You know, you go from one side of the map, and you suddenly come out from the other side. Correct. Because. Um, that is the way which has been designed and you, you can't go forever because it's not the processing power or the memory or the game. Yeah. Uh, come to more modern games. This is really going to age this episode now. But Starfield, the much maligned perhaps or, or celebrated game depending where you are, um, that modders have taken to the game as they have done with Skyrim before that and they're making it such a, a fantastic place to, um, you know, to, to play. Uh, much better than what Bethesda can do. Um, no shock there and they've noticed that when it rains Dan it's only within the immediate field of view of mm. the player it's a first person game um, and um, or can be third person but if they if you zoom out further enough the rain is only within like a 10 meter radius yeah anything outside of that and it's just normal you know like those, those old cartoons where the cloud is hovering above yeah, the character yeah, yeah. Classic. And, and it's raining on them, but everything everything outside of that, the character is, is dry and doesn't get rained on. It's the same thing in the computer game mm. in, in Starfield because they don't the player doesn't see that, so why does it matter if it's raining two miles away? Because you're never going to go over there. The reason why I bring that up, listener and Dan, is because there's a concept to say, well, aliens don't exist because we're not meant to go out into the cosmos. Mm. Because currently, we don't have the technology nor the means. It takes too bloody long to travel to our nearest constellation 
in order to go and see if there's something over there. So why divert processing power of your quantum computer, of your reality, if you're never going to go over there anyway? Yeah. Perhaps we're only rendering our immediate environment because that's all we need. And some people are stretching. I appreciate this is really head-scratching, interesting, or batshit concepts, but if you follow the principle of it's a computer or it's a construct, then it's not too difficult to think, actually, well, if we were the or going to be the authors of this reality, why would we not design something similar mm. to build in those boundaries that people can't possibly surpass because we haven't got enough processing power or because we haven't got you know the, the, the ability to do it because we're not technologically to that point. And I think that's a really interesting but troubling concept. Mm. Well, it's interesting because Earth, so another one, the Goldilocks zone. Yes. Earth exists within what astrobiologists call a Goldilocks zone. It's it close enough to a star that greenhouse gases can trap heat and keep liquid water, mm. but far enough from that the planet does not become a Vesuvian hothouse that we live in such an orbital sweet spot in circumstantial evidence for a simulation. In our sim designers wanted, oh, if our sim designers wanted us to succeed, it makes sense that they'd place in such a cushy environment. Yeah. I mean, have you ever played um, simulation games? You know, like um, Theme Park or yeah, Jurassic Park? I love Evolution. Theme Park. Great. Brilliant. But you're not going to build that in a desolate wasteland. You're going to build it in a lush green environment that's enjoyable for your simulated people mm. to run around in and to participate in and to grow and develop. When I play um, Jurassic Park Evolution, cracking game, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, you, it, it's not all potholed. It's beautiful, lush environment mm. where you want your, your lovely little dinosaurs to, to flourish. And, uh, and you're going to build um, environments that are safe for people that are visiting so don't get eaten by dinos when it do, it's funny. Um, why wouldn't we build a Goldilocks zone that is perfect for life? Well, hold that thought. Mm. Climate change. Our civilization is on the cusp of environmental chaos. By the way, thing. that's a definite thing. I don't want anyone to think yeah. that we're not climate deniers. Or Absolutely like not. We, we're not climate deniers. We, there is climate change. We are speeding it up. Whether or not we're causing it is, I think... An element of debate, but it's definitely happening. Yeah. Sorry, Dan, I just wanted to make that clear. No, that's yep. fine. This is in my notes. This, this is what I pulled out from research. So, we, as Alex said, we're not denying it. No. So, suggesting we could be an ancestor simulation created in hopes that yeah, we'd yeah. show our creators how to solve an energy crisis. It's a bit worrying, though, because if there's advanced ancestors that are using us to work that out, look at what we're doing at the minute. Mm. Isn't it ironic that we are pushing to electric vehicles, EVs, but we've got some people in countries that are deprived that are mining um, raw minerals out of the ground for batteries that eventually have no way of being disposed of properly currently? Well, let's not forget that some of these batteries are exploding in people's houses. You know, cars going up in flames, mm. electric bikes blowing up, that scooters. Is, yeah, and it is our argument to say that we've got to start from somewhere. I'm not saying that these things aren't great in the long run. I actually think they are. I'm just saying there's a, there's an element of uh, irony here at the mm. moment. But, yeah, maybe at some point we do find the answer. Perhaps our ancestors never had EV technology. Here's an interesting one. DNA that contains a computer virus. Yes. 
2017, a multidisciplinary group of researchers at the University of Washington proved that they could embed malicious computer code into physical strands of DNA. Their aim was to show that computers working in gene sequencing were vulnerable to attack. But they may also have inadvertently revealed that we, what we perceived to be biological reality was in fact computer code all along. I don't know, mate. It sounds like they've just created the reality of a disaster film, personally. Mm, I think we're reaching a little bit. Again, it's. I feel like this is reaching, so weird Oh, news. no, no. I'm not saying it's reaching. I'm saying oh. if people can hack DNA, that's horrible. Oh, right, I see. Yeah, yeah quite the opposite. Um, I don't want people in, in a lab somewhere creating something that it accidentally... I've got some inverted commas in the air now listening I appreciate you can't see that um, escapes mm. why do you want another Covid it's Funny horrible enough, at the time of uh, recording I uh, before I came over I was reading something from the New York Post Okay, and apparently the, the Chinese have just created a mutant Covid-19 oh. that is 100% you know it can kill brilliant quite quickly and you know our if we, if there were ancestors who've made this Russian doll theory and they are the base reality, surely they must be shaking their heads going, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we are those sea monkeys in that water and we are fucking things up. Oh, for fuck's sake, they're making another mutant virus. I know. Why, we shouldn't guys, be dicking around with this stuff. Sort your energy crisis out and help us. Stop fucking killing each other. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, they must be shaking their heads in absolute disdain. Oh, look, they're in that lab again, making another deadly virus. Oh, look, they yeah. created a mutant of COVID-19. Oh, for fuck. Look at these dickheads putting fucking virus code in cells. That's going to work out well, wouldn't it? Mm. Come on. Uh, the next Press a delete button. Yeah. yeah. And the next one's weird news. Um, some have proposed that recent unlikelihoods, so including Donald Trump's election, Brexit, the 2017 Oscars envelope mix-up. Yeah, I had this. And that year's 25-point Super Bowl comeback could mean we're in a malfunctioning simulation or whoever is pushing the buttons is screwing with us. Yeah. But do you not just think it's all a bit of a coincidence? And it's, yeah, I do. And at some point, I mean, some things I don't believe in coincidences because of the the factors that are in play. And sometimes you do. And surely, if you look at the odds, the odds at some point will play out, even however ridiculous it might be, that you can get a twenty-five point turnaround. Mm. You can screw up a live television presentation at the Oscars. These things, however unlikely, can happen. They're called odds. Yes. Here's an example. 2005, Champions League. Okay. AC Milan were 3-0 up at half-time. And I was in the pub and I was crying into my pint with my friend Simon. And I said, Simon, shall we go? And he went, Alex, have faith. He always said that, by the way. Uh, every Sunday when we watched, or Saturday when we watched TV down the unit. But he said, Alex, have faith. They'll come around, they'll win it. I went, I'm going to go to the bar, go yeah. for a slash, and then let's watch the first 10 minutes. But if it doesn't go our way... I want to go home. He went, okay, but I think this will prove you wrong. Three all, you won on penalties. And then we then won, I think it was the FA Cup a couple of months later uh, mm. with a Stevie G, fantastic worldy free kick. 2006. Yeah. I remember uh, and it was just, yeah, it's however unlikely a mix of different factors and variables means that that actually becomes a, a, a reality. And talking to Trump, Trump and Brexit, that's, democracy that's what we as humans voted for well not we didn't vote for it but 
that's what a majority voted for. Well, or some AI targeted people for voting mm. algorithms. But yes, you're right. There, there is some influence there that has played the odds, and there has been a real outcome. Yeah, uh, and that's why I think some of these evidences, again, in 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 air quotes, um, I don't subscribe to. Um, I I just think it's just the way things are. Uh, we talked about uh, coincidences. Crazy, the world's crazy coincidences. That was a good episode. And they are crazy, but for good reason, because however unlikely, the odds have turned out in favour or otherwise. Maybe just mm. put a link in the description below, because that yes. one is a brilliant other episode that we, we have covered, and I would encourage you to, listen to go and listen to it if you haven't already. It's so, so good. Yeah. Another episode people should listen to is OTT94, where we talk to Southern Ghost Society. So this yes. is quite relevant. yeah. yeah. It makes more sense than ghosts. So what we're saying is that the simulation theory makes more sense than ghosts. Right. Paranormal events are not hauntings or alien encounters, but glitches in the simulation. Hold on to that thought. Mm. This theory is one most explored by Reddit forums like Are We Living in a Simulation and Glitch in the Matrix, where users explore big ideas in philosophy funneled into the details of the odd or the occult. A storefront exists in a town one day, then it doesn't. Explanations include a slip between parallel timelines or a pop-up. A car passenger sees word render in the sky as if entering a new part of a video game. Elevators are frequent setting for glitch stories. I have heard this, yeah. The jump between floors seem to encourage a slip within dimensions. Now, when we were talking to Dan and Andy... Mm-hmm. They talk about elevated positions. They, Andy said he was on uh, an investigation. I can't remember where they said they were. Mm-hmm. Dan wasn't there. No. But several people saw Dan on the balcony of this investigation they were on. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there. No. And before I knew it, he was gone. Yep, he walked off. And he wasn't, he wasn't actually present. And I think that's... That's it's interesting how I can I guess that's what we talked about at the beginning where all these things kind of can link together. Mm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, have you heard of Philip K. Dick? I think I had him in my notes actually. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a renowned science fiction writer from um, from yesteryear. He had visions of alternate realities, Dan and listener, uh, which informed of many books. So the Man in the High Castle. Yeah. You had that one on. It's, there's a book, but also it's made. Uh, it's a television dramatization on Amazon Prime. It's if Nazi Germany had won the war. Correct. And there's other things that he has dreamt. So the Adjustment Bureau, which I think is a is an underrated, fantastic sci-fi film, by the way. Hmm. Um, Anthony Mackie is um, effectively an angel. I'm really down playing it, and I'm lowballing it, but it's such an interesting Matt Damon film um, with Emily Blunt. Uh, unlikely mm. love interest there but it's it's a really good film anyway that's all about predetermination and about reality um, I won't say any more but I would recommend it it's an interesting concept you'd have to be into sci-fi to enjoy it uh, but it's, I think it's a quality film all done by writer Philip K. Dick now apparently um, during his time in the spinning ball in the cosmos he refers to his visions of events which have yet or haven't ended up sticking to our version of reality so mm. 
you know, call it a fever dream, call it a hallucination, call it a very good, vivid imagination. He thought, for whatever reason, all those things didn't apply. These were visions of alternate realities that he was tapping into. Yeah. And then he was writing his stories off those experiences. Um, but ultimately, whatever he was experiencing, he was tapping into these multiverses, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't actually bleeding into us, or at least becoming permanent. But this might sound familiar because of the Mandela effect, Dan. Mm. Because there could be experiences or things that never occurred that people have experienced. You mentioned about Fruits of the Loom. We talk about the Bernstein Bears. Um, we talk about uh, Mandela himself, which I subscribe to. Yeah. And that's how, how the conversation started. Um, there's there's logos, there's TV shows, there's braces on Bond villain love interests. There's all of these things that as a mass consciousness, people feel as though they've experienced. But actually, when you go to look at the evidence, they're not there. Yeah. And the question is, well, are those realities that either we're observing which isn't simulation by the way yeah we're, we're going slightly off topic but on the same thing or are the other realities simulated realities that are being rewritten as we are living them but for whatever reason they don't stick and that is where dan and listener we come to deja vu yes but you had you looked like you were going to want to talk more about the topic of philip k dick go on so in 1974, he underwent dental surgery and it was reportedly Which afterwards... Which is not nice, is it? We've, we've had that, haven't we? Yeah. It's horrible. Shortly afterwards, his reality began to crumble. Great drugs, though. Have you ever been under General for... No. I mean, I don't know what they feed the Americans because you see all these videos yeah, online yeah, 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 and they're yeah. all just like... Talking nonsense. Talking nonsense. It's true, though. I've, I've had General three times in my life, twice for teeth. You have no idea what's happened. My dad was once. I shouldn't really commit this. I think I already have on, on record. I've told about this before. My dad um had some teeth out and I was uh, 15, I think. He said, look, son, he did say this, by the way, but effectively he said, son, I need to come to the dentist with me. I'm going to have some teeth out. Um, so stay and then can you take me home because I'm not going to be in any fit state to get on the tube and stuff. I was like, mm, okay. Waited. Right, you can go get collect your dad now. Like, oh yeah, collect my dad. He was on a different planet. Oh, and we boy. walked outside and we're walking to to tube station. Do you dad? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. A bit quite unusual, but mm. he's not really talking my dad. Um and we passed a um uh an ATM, a cash machine. I said to him, Oh dad, can I um can I borrow uh, two hundred quid? Um He said, Yeah, no worries. He was stumbling for his fumbling for his cards. And bear in mind, listen and, and Dan, this is context. My dad is, for good reason, one of the tightest people you've ever met in, meet in your life. He's of that boomer generation that looks after their money, has some money, not loads, but has some money, invested well, bought houses, is enjoying retirement. Again, he's not rich, but he's got some money. Um and because he's looked after it. Mm. So whenever I was growing up, I said, oh, Dad, can I have this? Or can I have that? He'd go, no, you can't. Yeah. For good reason. Same. Same. Uh, that's because he didn't have it, but also because he um, you know, he was saving stuff. So when I, 15-year-old Alex is walking down the road and says, Dad, can you get me some money? And he's like, yeah, sure. Not, what do you need it for? Or, no, you can't. He's, yeah, sure. And reach for his card. You're like, what drugs in this world allows you to be that influenceable? I said, I said Dad, I'm just joking. Put your card away. It's all good. He said, okay, cool. But 
Those are amazing drugs. You tested those waters, but you were honest you to, to say, Dad, I'm joking. Well, he'd look at the car statement and go, why didn't we draw 200 quid on the day that I had my teeth out? And then let's just get into the whole kind of yeah. rabbit hole of telling porcupines and getting found out. You, it's not worth it. But anyway, that's they are powerful things. They are. Now, according to Philip's accounts, his he first That's saw, a segue, wasn't it? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense because you've just explained how powerful these drugs are. Yeah, they're great. Uh, he first saw a pink light that revealed universal truths to him. From that light, he apparently gained a much deeper understanding of philosophy and of the wider world. Next, and again shortly after the surgery, he started to see visions, hallucinations, or what some might call glitches in the matrix. Could also be a stroke, by the way. <laughs> it could well be. Seeing lights, but okay. Yeah. Uh, the past began to seep into the writer's present, so much so that he allegedly witnessed the modern world merge with ancient Rome. Ordinarily, citizens around him morphed into Roman guards, and Philip himself began to live a second life as a Christian of the time named Thomas. Later, referring to the first pink light, he further described it as experiencing an invasion of the mind by a transcendentally rational mind. Wow. That's a word. Now, perhaps the most rational explanation is what the, what he experienced was some kind of psychotic break. <laughs> yep. But there are some alternate theories. For one, could be rational mind. He spoke of have been linked to a higher power. A power like the creator of our simulation, perhaps granting one of our most creative thinkers a peek behind the curtain mm. I'm just going to say it was the drugs to be honest but they they are good drugs I need some of those drugs mm. Deja Vu Dan we talked about it at the, the top of the um, the episode yes it causes a phenomenal feeling as though one has lived through the present situation before now apparently it's an illusion of memory whereby despite a strong sense of recollection the time place and the context of the previous experience are uncertain or impossible now, some people have said that that is the code, and apparently it's a simulation correcting itself on the hard code behind it. So you did experience that event, but along a different timeline and the outcome from what the one you're on now. Yeah. Um, so that's what they say is a glitch in the Matrix. It's, it's literally that. And I think that's what the base of the, the Matrix obviously is, is founded on. But deja vu is where something has happened, either it's an intersection of realities or the code has gone, oh, You've done this before, but I didn't like the outcome. Mm. You, it took you on a path that wasn't predetermined. So I'm going to rewrite it, and you're going to go back onto the path you're supposed to play. Which I think is an interesting concept. And that there is there's either something omnipotent or something that is... Or there's some kind of hard coding that is following your moves. And you can perhaps not, but seemingly deviate from a path. But ultimately, you'll be nudged back into the one using deja vu and the deja vu is the route where you could have gone but actually mm. you're not supposed to so you're being nudged back into the route and the, your destiny interesting mm. so I've got a story on Frano Salek so you're talking about all this destiny yeah yeah this is really quite compelling so luck is a strange concept right yes difficult to explain and certainly difficult to master but interesting enough everyone knows it when they see it or feel it mm. isn't that funny 
Yeah. But yeah. Some of us are luckier than others, of course, but Frano's luck played out to such extremes that his story has become linked with possible proof of some other higher force. Frano is known both as the luckiest and unluckiest man in history. You know, it depends how you uh, perceive this story. Mm. He was a music teacher leading an ordinary life until a train crash in 1962 that almost resulted in his death. Crikey. But he was pulled to safety whilst others died. Oh, that sounds bleak. Hear me out. A year later, a plane he was in began to plummet to the ground as an emergency door burst open. Oh, man. This is um, uh, Final Destination. It really is. Frano was actually dragged out of the plane during the fall. The eventual crash killed 19 people, but Frano survived as a result of falling through the open door and apparently landing in a nearby haystack. No, this can't be true. So, we've already got two near-fatal disasters in just a few months. But his bizarre luck and life story isn't done here. He went on to defy death a number of other times. He escaped a sinking bus. He escaped by being hit by another bus. His car exploded whilst he was driving it and he was flung out of another car when it crashed into a ravine, leaving Frano to beat the odds once again by clinging onto a tree for dear life. Having come through all of that, however, Frano went on to win the equivalent of more than $1 million on the lottery. Death couldn't beat him and fortune eventually fell into his lap. For some, his story is akin of a video game character. So unlikely that surely it can't have been pure chance. Wow. Is someone pulling the strings? Yeah. Was was it not his time and there was code there mm. that meant that they were nudging him back into... I don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, equally lucky and unlucky. I, I don't know which side of the coin he's on that one. I've got some shared experience as well. Now, there are examples of shared experiences involving large numbers of people and seemingly defying explanation. First, throughout history, multiple sailors and pirates have written accounts of seeing mystical structures in the sky, like castles. Now, we've put one on social media recently from China in 2015. Yes. Which is very odd. Well, they've been out to sea. Uh, This may well be alternatively explained as ocean mirages appearing before tide crews. Now, this phenomena is sometimes called the Fata Morgana. Now, you're looking at me perplexed. What is the Morgana? Mm. What is a Fata Morgana? Now, it's a complex form of superior mirage visible in a narrow band right above the horizon. Now, the term Fata Morgana is the Italian translation of Morgan the Fairy, Morgan le Fay of Arthurian legends. Right, yes. These mirages are often seen in the Italian Strait of Messina. Have you been to Messina? I haven't been to Messina, no. Um, lovely part of the world, though, here. And were described as fairy castles in the air or false land conjured by her magic. Uh, but these apparent visions are also said to be to have led people to their deaths before. Sailors have followed what they've seen because it just doesn't make sense to them and ultimately they've paid a heavy price. Mm. Indeed, such sightings are likely the inspiration behind the story of the legendary ghost ship, the Flying Dutchman. Yeah. I think we've talked about that in a previous episode, if I recall. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's not as though bizarre things in the sky are only seen over the sea. 
similar seeming impossibilities, impossibilities have appeared over land too and even over densely populated cities and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a second yeah in 2015, citizens of China looked up to see what appeared to be an entire cityscape present itself amongst the clouds. You can see that on our social media. Each dark shadow doubling as a detailed outline of a different tower or building. Again, such was the strangeness of the site that it caused many to think that this was a glitch in reality or in the simulation just as when something in a video game loads in the wrong spot or clips through part of the environment. That's really annoying when it happens when you're playing a game. It right? is. It's an annoying bug. Various more scientific explanations have been put forward for the Sky City in China, uh, the Phantom Palaces witnessed by seafarers, but not everyone is satisfied. Some claim that in, a, in attempting to explain them away, we're actually refusing to see what's really there an apparent opening into the background mechanics of the sim that we're all stuck in. Mm. But you, I sent you the picture and you said, that cityscape in the sky does not align with what is on the ground. No, no, it looks entirely different. It's an entirely different makeup. Uh, they're quite clearly buildings. It's not one of these things where you look at the clouds, right? As a kid, do you ever do that? You looked up at the sky and thought, yep. "What's that shape?" Oh, I think we like all did it. Yeah, or a dog, or that's a mermaid, or that's something. It's a fucking cityscape. There's there's skyscrapers. There's buildings, mm. all bar people walking on the ground, and you don't see below a certain level because it's cloud. Um, it's a city. If yeah. if you didn't give context that image, people go, "Why are you showing me a picture of a city?" It's a bit foggy, but otherwise that's yeah. quite clear what it is. And if you look, the city below is almost a bit like Los Angeles. It's it's relatively flat. I mean, ironically, I know it's in a valley or it's or covered, you know, surrounded by mountains, but it's relatively flat. There's not that many tall buildings. This looks like New York in comparison to what's underneath it. It's really, really odd. Um, you just bring it up now, Dan. But yeah, it's, it's really clear and apparent. You can see the normal ground level of you know, like trees and cranes and then in the clouds you can literally see a cityscape it's like it's like someone has lifted the city up and you're seeing underneath the foundations looking upwards yeah it's it's really bizarre um that's not a a environmental phenomena that's not as though clouds have formed not culolimbus um and there's plenty of those in the shape of buildings it looks very clearly like I don't. I, by the way, I don't know what it is clearly, and I, I don't know what what to think it is simulation. Is it another reality? Is it? I don't think it is. I don't think it's a reflection. But then I don't know what it is. Mm. And I, I think that's the interesting kind of perplexion is no yeah. no one really knows. Um, it's fascinating. Um, I've got a story, Dan. Yes. The highway event. I talked about this before. Yeah, this is what sold me on this episode. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so tell our listeners. So it's so, so shared events. Uh, and this is an interesting one that I've uh, I've come across. Um, I don't think I'll do it justice. But anyway, I'll try and recount as best I can. So there is somewhat of a chilling story. Uh, and people talk about near-death experiences or they have premonitions of something and 
like unfortunately the man who got on the plane Frano uh, yeah That's like him. like predestination people get glimpses or have a funny feeling or mm. gut and they decide to not do it and then something horrific happens or they get a gun, gut thing to do something and they do it and there's a positive outcome but there's something that deep down is nudging them to, to perhaps do something different or not and this is um, of the former where something was going to happen. So mm. um, this woman was travelling late at night in the early hours from her job. She'd worked all day and she had a night shift. So it's the early hours, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and she's on her way home on the road driving on the US highway. So picture pit, pitch black. The, 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 the lights are scrolling past. She's had a very long day. She's very tired. Okay. Um so she's travelling well at the same time a man is working at a petrol station and he's restocking shelves yeah um, not unfamiliar with that time of the day that's a perfect time to restock it when customers aren't coming through you get the, the store ready for the following day uh, he's tidying up after a busy day he's sweeping and he's caught off guard when this woman comes in beside herself she's sobbing she's shaking she's crying uh, almost unresponsive but mm. very clearly she wants help or con- or being consoled so he sits her down, gets her a cup of tea, talks to her. He's on the cusp of about to call, call you know, 911, the ambulance. Uh, but after several minutes, he manages to work out what's happened. She starts to, to talk, and she's coming to terms with what's happening. And the woman, although scared out of her mind, recalls what she thinks happened minutes before. So yes, she's tired, but she thinks she can drive well enough. And she sees some red lights ahead at a junction. And so she breaks and comes to stop very slowly, but eventually behind a lorry. So they're waiting at the traffic lights down. Imagine the scene. Yeah. The road's probably empty. It's automated, so they're probably waiting at the lights a couple of minutes before then they can go green and can sail through. But there's not an awful lot of traffic. But then what happens next is another vehicle behind her, probably someone else who's tired, fails to stop in time. They slam on their brakes, but it's too late. They collide with their vehicle. Oof. Her vehicle ends up being smashed moved, bumped, and she ends up being wrapped around a lamppost. Um, she knows it's her, the end of her time. She's aware of her imminent passing. And then she has, obviously, all the feelings that you would, I, I guess, hopefully I never have this, but the feeling of dread or of coming to an end. And everything goes black. Mm. But then, almost with a blink of an eye, she's then back in the car and she's driving down. Wow. And for a second, she's had this experience, the reality that she's lived, but it actually hasn't happened, or hasn't happened yet. Mm. So she's she's blinked, and she's had this experience where she has had this crash, and she has passed, but she's back in the car now, and it's mid, it's, it's early hours, and she's driving, and the, and the, the lamp, lamppost lights are passing by her as she's driving at night. It sounds like an out-of-body experience. Well, she's terrified. And I guess you would yeah. be. You'd be absolutely shitting yourself. So guess what? She drives for another few moments in the dark ahead, and what does she see in the in the, the, the horizon? Don't tell me it's the lorry. It's in some red lights at the junction. She's seen this before, Dan. Yeah. So terrified, she pulls the car over. She happens to be at a petrol station. This is where, we, of course, we start the tale. She's beside herself. She can't process what she's just feel, felt. She thinks she's experienced, and it's almost going to happen again. So she has mm. to pull over at the last minute because well, she knows how this is going to end. So she's she's recounting this story to this very perplexed and confused teller, this person working at uh, the petrol station. 
So she finishes a story. They hear a set of, of car tyres are locking. There's an almighty crash. Look out the window and at the junction, no. just a couple of hundred yards ahead, where previously she had her vision, this vehicle collides with what would have been the car in front, this lorry, at the lights. And the question is, did she actually experience an alternate reality? Was there a glitch in the code? Was this where she was being nudged by deja vu mm. because actually her time wasn't meant to, to end then? And she was compelled to live it and go, actually, I don't want to go down that route. And she's nudged into the petrol station. But the story goes that she lived it, she experienced it, she recounted it, she deviated from that experience, and the outcome still happened. Mm. Which is Odd. It's freaky and it's concerning. And it's, I, I hope that's just a, a folk tale. Because if that's real, that is. That's horrible stuff, right? There's there's things in this universe I don't think we'll ever understand. Um, I mean, I've got unanswerable questions, as I'm sure you do. Yeah. Uh, one of the intriguing aspects of simulation theory is the array of profound questions it raises. Um, if we are living a simulation, what does it say about our existence and purpose? Yeah. Well, a scientific one mm. to work out our forefathers' uh, issues with um, climate change. Does free will still exist in a predetermined simulation? Mm. Are the creators of the simulation akin to gods? Yeah. Again, religion. As of now, these questions remain largely speculative and philosophical in nature, as there is no concrete evidence to confirm or refute the theory. Um, it's not actually possible to prove we're not living in no. a simulation. So I've got a couple of points here, yeah. which will probably wrap this up quite nicely, to be honest. It may be easy to prove that we're living in a simulation than to prove we're not. Now, nuclear physicist Zoran Davoudi believes that cosmic rays, the most energetic particles known to man, would appear as pixel-like chunks if we are within a simulation and unending beams if we're in base reality. Meanwhile, NYU philosopher David Chalmers doubts it's possible to prove that we don't live in the matrix, and he says, you're not going to get proof that we're not in a simulation because any evidence that we get could be simulated. Yeah. Fuck. I, we talked about GCSE science, Dan. I, I think it's an interesting one. Can I just very quickly talk about the double slit experiment? Yeah, let's do it. Um, have you heard about this? No. Okay. This is actual science. I'm not, I'm not going to do it justice. I'm not a scientist. Um, but this is established fact, and we don't we don't understand why this happens. But if you have the right equipment, or you can look at it online, there's papers and there's theories, but it's unexplained. If you fire some particles at a slit in a flat surface, I so think of it as um, a piece of paper down. Yeah. And you cut a a a small slit, a a vertical slit through that piece of paper, and the other side is a flat surface. Think of it as a wall. Okay, you're going to fire some electrons through that paper slip. I'm starting to get deja vu. Oh yeah. Mm. Code. <laughs> Could be code. Um, the other side, you expect it to radiate in a particular way, but the um, the particles will clump together because they can only go through a certain space. They're not going to scatter gun out the other side because they're being funneled through a particular shape, right? So they're all going to land on this wall behind this slit in a particular fashion. 
this clumping they call yeah. it because then the one's not going to go over to the right hand side or the left hand side because they're all facing this slit they're all going to be all together at the other side yeah following me yeah makes sense good so it makes sense to someone um, introduce a second slit down identical but next to the original one two vertical slits um, if you do the same experiment eventually when they go through one will cancel the other one out yeah uh, this is called interference pattern okay so we know what the pattern should be if there are particles let's switch things up with electrons slightly different if you fire electrons through the same slit um, you'll see the clumping pattern as you would so they go through that hole they hit the other side they're going to clump they're only going to be a certain pattern because that's the space which they can travel through okay if you fire two sets of electrons through two different slits you should have two clumping effects on the other side again like yeah. the other experiment but you don't um, and it shouldn't happen with electrons you see again the interference pattern so they're interacting in a very different way from what actually we've observed otherwise now the experiment to, to kind of understand a bit more about this was that they actually modified it in a different way uh, where they will send a single electron through at a time to remove the possibility that they will collide with one another okay so they're trying to remove all the various different aspects that might impact why these electrons are behaving differently than what they should do yeah um what they did was they added a detector at the moment the electrons pass through that slit so not only are they observing what happens after they pass through they've got a point in the middle of, uh, i hope i'm not losing this people listen to that but there's a <laughs> detector in the middle so as it passes through that slit you, you can see it you can record it and also you record what happens at the wall behind that slit okay yeah and that should correlate between what's happening between those two points in time um as they observed the electron now passing through this slit the wave interference stopped and the clumping returned to then check back they they stopped observing through a detector and the interference returned yeah so the difference there, the variable, is that nothing nothing changed in terms of shooting it through that slit or what it was landing on. The fact of it was being observed. The moment you're looking at it and you're paying attention and you're turning this 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 thing on, it behaves in a way which is expected. Yeah. The moment you don't observe it and you're looking at the end result, it doesn't uh, doesn't happen the way you're supposed to. So it's chaos. Perhaps. But the question is, is there intelligence there? Because it's actually performing in a way that when we are watching it, it's as we anticipate. Mm. The moment we don't look at it and scrutinise it, it behaves in an odd fashion, mm. not one that we'd expect. But the variable, the difference there, the difference is whether we are observing it or we're not observing it. The moment we're looking, we're not doing anything, we're not touching that, that particle, that electron, but the moment we're watching it very closely it changes its behaviour. The moment you turn it off, it goes back to being random and unquestionable. Mm. Why? And no one can, it makes no sense. No one can explain why that, that behaviour and the difference between whether we're watching it or not. And it's a really weird thing to, mm. to, to, that people can't explain the behaviour of, 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 of those items. It's not interference from detect the detector. It's not anything other than unexplained. Unless there's something else there. Is it intelligent behaviour? It's unlikely. Is it reality? Is it the reality that we're built upon? Are we not supposed to see it? But the moment we're looking, 
it's it's being simulated in the way that we should expect to see. Yeah. And that's where I think science is 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 looking and testing. And it's interesting. I, I was searching for for this experiment, other experiments in academia. And do you know, just down the road, literally uh, about hundred yards, um, University of Portsmouth wrote a paper and released it on um, simulation theory just last year. Really? Yeah. No and uh, they they're looking for funding to to test and to trial certain experiments. Interesting. So this is actively being worked on in not, you know, Oxford or, mm. or any of the Ivy League type universities. This is down the road in Portsmouth. In the heart of our city, that's mad. This is something that actively people are working on, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Mm. And you know, this is fringe pseudoscience and conspiracy theories and, and the rabbit hole. Now, I know that a lot of this is, is mind-blowing and we're not scientists, so we are going to kind of lowball a lot of this stuff, but even as a thought provocation this is a really interesting concept and as you've heard listener this it kind of touches on religion yes on the purpose of life is there life outside of of the world and in our universe and if there isn't why isn't there and what do we do if we had the power to simulate reality Mm. is this the base reality is what we're experiencing real what is deja vu what are glitches and I think you put this into the melting pot of Mandela effect and um, and folklore and um, uh, crazy coincidences yeah. all of these things we've covered before it makes you kind of scratch your head and go I want to get off this ride this is really <laughs> this is yeah. really weird it's, it's weird it's been an odd episode to, to discuss but it's fascinating I don't yeah. think it's it's personally changed my opinion I think there's stuff out there that goes into two camps for me either it's it's very weird but eventually we'll understand it or there's some things that Dan and listener I don't think we're meant to I just think we're never going to know about it Um, and this might end up being the latter Uh, because I think it's it's so complex I don't think we'll ever be able to get to a point where we comfortably can say one way or another whether this is a simulated reality Mm. But it doesn't stop us from talking um, and postulating. No. Wild. I wonder where this will lead us next to our next left field episode. I have no idea. But if you like more of this, listener, um, I've got well, we've got a whole playlist on YouTube um, that you can go over and look at on OTTGITS or just search for On Topic Podcast on YouTube, and we've got a whole playlist ready for you to work your way through at your leisure, where all of these batshit episodes are stored. <laughs> oh yes. Um, We've literally got hundreds of episodes, but I have curated lovingly the rabbit hole playlist for you. So if you haven't listened to any other of these episodes, you'll find the Mandela effect, crazy coincidences, folklore tales. Um, I don't know whether I have put Halloween in there. I think I probably put it in creatives, but the yeah. Halloween episode is a really good one from this year uh, or last year, shall I say, 2023, um, uh, where we talk about some fringe ideas. Yeah, um, it's a good episode. So yeah, there's plenty for you to 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 get involved and listen to, listener. But I guess my question is, um, I I don't think I've asked you, Dan. Actually, is is this simulated reality? What what, where do you land? Obviously, I've made it clear that I don't know, but I'm probably veering away from not. But do you have any opinions from what you've read? I don't think we are. Um, You said it before. I think there are things we probably aren't meant to understand, but to be in a simulation. I don't know. 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is like a computer environment and we're just living in it. But in, I guess, and this is perhaps rather a grand suggestion, but perhaps this is where we leave it on. I guess my question is, if we are, so what? Does it make mm. what we're experiencing any any different? Ha- people's perception is their reality. So does it matter? If it's a simulation, it doesn't matter. You're still living it. You're still mm. experiencing whether or not you're meant to go through this reality being led or is it pre- predetermined. You're still having those experiences. You're still having those feelings. You're still thinking those thoughts. Does it matter? No. And I I, I think that's where I'm coming to. Like, And I think that's, that's an interesting concept for people just to kind of ponder and think about. You know, if there's anything that you take away from this episode, I'd say... The reality, your reality, is what you make it, and I know that's a rather kind of soppy, cheesy, kind of one-liner. But I really do do question: Does it really matter if we're in a simulated reality? Because you you kind of make your experience what it is. Yeah, for sure. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. That's it for another week. Um, having a bit of a downtime, aren't we? Yeah, we've got some 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 life events coming up, um, so we're going to take a, a short break. But we have got some episodes that we're going to dive into the vault down over the next oh, couple of weeks. There are some good ones in there. So we're going to do favourite '90s cartoons. Or kids oh, TV so shows. good! Listen, if you haven't listened to this one. Um, this was in our the weekly roundup days. It was. I don't think it was on OTT. Late ones. 2019. Um, and we had such good fun. I don't recall as often because I'm, I'm not like Dan. I just come up with ideas and I just move on. But uh, I don't know what it's born out of. But um, invariably, it's nostalgia, right? I think it was one of your nostalgic ideas, and Probably. we ended up diving in, and it was it's a good episode. It's really good. We need to do a volume two this year. We do. Maybe I think we do. Uh, maybe when I'm back from Tokyo. Maybe. Um, and this is where we talk about you know some of the things we were watching growing up uh, that we enjoyed and some of our perhaps our weekend routines, mm. um, live and kicking, oh my god, uh, yes. and, and all those kind of those things which I guess are UK specific. But the some of the things we talk about aren't UK cultural. They are hopefully a lot of the Western world kind of experiences are perhaps uh, further east. Um, so do get your ears around that episode because we had a lot of fun. And yeah, there's plenty of opportunities to get involved for volume two. Yep, and we're revisiting retro gaming from oh, 2018, another late 2018 episode. One of our very earlier episodes, in fact. Yeah, like it's really three good. or four. Yeah, we talk about being handed down Nintendo Entertainment Systems, Spectrums, <clears throat> N64 games. It's Playing games on cartridge discs and tapes. And we got a lot of feedback for that episode as well. No, yeah, we did. Uh, lots of listeners, really lots good. of streams. Uh, a lot of people were, you know, enjoyed it. So, again, another opportunity. Um, we'll probably revisit some more of that. Mm. So, if you, if you want to recount some of your tales. I mean, Dan, uh, I keep on saying this to you, and I will furnish you with some money in your hand, but when you do go over to the, the fair country and the fair islands of Japan, um, if you can have some downtime whilst your significant other... Um, is running herself ragged around the streets of Tokyo because uh, that's what she enjoys. Oh, yes. Um, there is um, Hard Off, which is a second hand, oddly named, but um, obviously um, appropriate to Japanese culture, a uh, second hand store. Mm. And they have some wonderful electronics to, to rifle through. 
Um, it'd be quite nice if you can bring back some retro stuff. But I appreciate oh, you've got limited baggage sides. But anyway, uh, we talk about some of those retro devices and computer games and. Um, uh, and yeah, there's uh, there's plenty to kind of reminisce and to talk about, and yeah, it's all in that episode, and it's 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 a wonderful one to talk about. You know, um, there's a lot to be said for gaming in the '90s and early noughties where you had that kind of that tangible gaming experience. Yeah, everything was very physical. Rumble packs, expansion packs for Nintendo 64. Um, you had cumbersome cables that now enabled you to connect to the internet and PlayStation 2. Um, all of those different things were in the mix, whereas now it's all digital download and streaming and intangible and do you actually own anything, really? You pay money, mm. but any time they could take it off the cloud and you don't have it. Well, you can't do that on Nintendo 64. Yeah. Those cartridges upstairs in a box, gathering dust, hopefully not too much because I want them to be able to be playable again, to be sold, but you can't take that away from me. That's that's yeah. physical, that's tangible, that's that's mine. And I think there's much to be said about you know that that physicality and and devices that we were playing on when we were growing up so yeah it's a really good episode um fun memories of course nostalgia again but again a great one to get involved with if if there's anything you want to share once you listen to it it's a really good vault episode they both are and they'll be coming out in the next couple of weeks yeah definitely and if you want to get, ever get involved follow our socials we're on on the topic podcast i don't know on the topic pod which is facebook twitter instagram threads tiktok um yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Gmail, which is on the top of the podcast at gmail.com. And then Alex, we've got YouTube and WordPress. Yeah, and on WordPress, we've got some bonus content, some blogs. Um, we've got our ugly mugs, our bios. We've got our newsletter, so you can subscribe and be notified the moment an episode drops. That's on yeah. topicpodcast.wordpress.com. And we're also on YouTube. We've already talked about it earlier on. Um, I think it's uh, at OTTGITS or on topic podcast on youtube we'll do search for that it really helps us if you can hit that subscribe button and a notification bell to be announced when a new episode drops because it's algorithms and but it helps us know that you're engaging we, we can see the numbers we can see streams so thank you so much for doing it we do have some plans in the pipeline in the near future of doing some video content oh, i really hope this goes through We've got, we don't want to spoil it, but Dan's going to be bringing some things back from Tokyo that might be more suitable for the visual entertainment medium. Two podcasters trying snacky snacks. So you might have said too much, but we won't say anything else. But yeah, so um, more content on YouTube. Um, so please do subscribe, hit the notification bell, like what you like, uh, and even those comments, anything that you want to get involved in. And um, yeah, you can be part of the show. Also linked to uh, podcasters. Spotify for podcasters. That's yeah. it. Well, you can leave us a voice message, get involved like some of our previous listeners, and you can hear your voice on those sound waves. Oh, yes. Well, that's it for another week. We will be back. Fear not. Um, but I've got to drive home now, and I'm going to be questioning A, reality, oh, B, hope there's no deja vu, and C, it's going to be a bit Pull into that petrol station, Dan. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. There's no petrol station on the way home from here. I'm not sure that's a good or bad thing. Yeah. Well, I've been Dan. Hopefully you still will be in the future. Um, and I'm going to ponder whether or not we're in the base reality and actually um, which doll are we in that Russian doll of, uh, of our construct. I'm Alex. We'll see you soon. Soon.